I wanted to jump in very quickly before you enjoy the edition of 15 Minutes with a Mentor to tell you about the newsletter that we recently launched at Recruitment Mentors a few weeks ago. It's called Limitless Learning and the whole premise and, and, and purpose of it is to directly send you practical advice, tips and tactics directly into your inbox that can help you improve as a recruiter. The feedback so far from the three editions that we've released have been fantastic. For example, the last edition was on five questions you can ask on a business development call and why and I want to tell you about it so you can join it you can subscribe completely free you can go to recruitmentmentors.com forward slash limitless hyphen learning that's recruitmentmentors.com forward slash limitless learning or you can go on recruitmentmentors.com and you'll get hit with one of those pop-up messages where you can sign up but I want to tell you about it if you're here to learn and develop then why not get direct tips and advice directly into your inbox? So sign up and join the thousands of other recruiters that are already signed up that are motivated to be better than yesterday. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. This is another edition of the 15 Minutes with a Mentor series where we interview some of the brilliant mentors that we've onboarded and welcome to the Recruitment Mentors community platform. And in this series, really simply, we ask seven questions in 15 minutes and find out things like how they've overcome some of their biggest challenges to understanding a bit more about what continues to be their most effective way of winning business. Really excited to be joined by Nick today. But before we get into this, Nick, if you could introduce yourself, let people know uh, who you are for those that may not know who you are, and then we'll we'll get into the questions. All right. Well, he, thanks very much. And uh, it's always a pleasure, mate. Um, awesome. So I've been in uh, recruitment 15 years. Um, 14 of those have been working for the same company, a company called McDonald and Company. Uh, and we are the leading real estate recruiter from across the, uh, the US through to Asia. Um, and home for me is in Manchester. Uh, but all our work's uh, in London. Amazing. So first question is, what's been your biggest challenge so far this year and how have you overcome it do you think uh my uh, chances are my my biggest challenge is not been unique uh, it's it's trying to work out where do you spend your time isn't it you know, mm. you know, you know business has been uh, has been sort of difficult to find uh, during sort of 2020 um so trying to unlock it and find out where we can best sort of spend our time it's been really really challenging but for for me personally i think my my job is is still focused around bringing in work. You know, I don't. I I now deliver very very small amounts of that myself, and you know, we share that across the team. But probably my biggest challenge is just remembering that I've got people around me who I trust and who've got their own sort of sets of skills, and just letting them get on with it. Uh, you know, and whether it's me personally or sort of you know the the, um, the process of being in a bit of a crisis, it's it's easy to try and sort of jump on things and try and do everything yourself, isn't it? Um, mm. uh, and inevitably, so many numerous times I've, I've been taught that I'm just not as good as lots of people who I work with <laughs> at, their, at their thing. So I you know, leave them and get on with it. I love that. So the next question is one that we've all been like polled to death with, 
right? And I think I think recruiters are so well positioned to like have a unique insight on this. Obviously, as you said, your world's real estate. Um, so I want to just know from you, like, how how do you see the future of work? Is it fully remote? Is it hybrid? Is it back in the office? Is it a combination? So how do you see the future of work and why? Well, lots and lots of our clients build huge office blocks. Um, so you know they've you know, they've got a view. Um, uh, but I think my my experience is that I've enjoyed working from home. I've enjoyed you know the, the advantages of that, and you know we're going to support the members of our team who who want to continue doing that. Um, but I think ultimately you need time with your colleagues, whether that's for training, whether that's for sharing ideas, um, uh, whether it's you know, ultimately just you know for the social aspects of work. Um, so I think we'll we'll probably you know, sit somewhere between. Uh, so two to three days a week in, uh, in the office moving forward. And then ju- just out of complete curiosity, because you've got a unique perspective, what from the real sort of the real estate perspective, like what's the sort of one, the sort of overarching thoughts on that? So of, yeah. there's um, lots and lots of those, those clients still believe very, very strongly that central London or Manchester or bit, you know, big central London office blocks still have, are absolutely got their place. But yeah. the, it's got to be absolute sort of first grade quality, A grade quality. Mm. Um, if it's not, it's not going to work. You know, that there are better options out there for people. And we think we're probably going to see an increase then in sort of more local hubs, you know, where people can drop into um, uh, so that they can experience that mix of local high streets, um, yet meeting, you know, some of their colleagues for some of the time. Yeah. And then again, just because I'm just really interested in this, I, I may or may not have seen it, but I saw an article, I think last week, around like office space being turned into residential space. Have you have you seen that? I had any conversation about that. So, Do you I mean, think some of that could happen? Uh, that, I mean, that happens all the time, sort of Is generally. It? Yeah, in the sense of if you think about sort of the evolution of any sort of city, you know how yeah. we, how we use that space, how we use those buildings changes over time. So you know, changing from uh, an office to a hotel or to a block of resi, um, uh, or to co working space, at, um, uh, restaurants, like so, that happens all the time. So you know, that's going to continue to happen. I uh, uh, I think. Um, uh, but uh, I'll probably put my crystal ball away now for the, um, uh, and leave it to the experts. <laughs> yeah. Fair. I just, I just find that really interesting. Okay, great. So next question is, so for you then, what what has been, what's continued to be the sort of most effective way for you to win business so far this year? Um, most effective way? I'll, I'll probably, in some ways, I, I, I'm not dodging the question, but I, I really yeah. don't think I don't think there is one tool that is more important than the others. You've, you've got to use absolutely all of them. Yeah. Um, you, so, as an example, you know, we as a business, you know, we've got a podcast. You know, we yeah. run seminars, we run webinars, we do reports, we do salary surveys, and we've got a whole host of host of kit. Not one of those is you know is more um, valuable to us than, than the other. You've just got to you've got to use absolutely everything that's in your armory. I think that's the most important, and, and in some ways, I think that's probably the easiest thing to forget is that yeah. if you're in a bit of a tight spot at the moment and you think you're a bit short on work, or you need, or you want to break into a new market, and you think, well, do you know what, guys, and this, you know, and and they'll pick one, you know, they'll, they'll pick one of those tools and they put all yeah. their efforts into it. Um, and I understand why they do that, but ultimately. That's only going to appeal to the customers who who appreciate that avenue or that route in, and you alienate everyone else who doesn't. 
So if you want to be really successful, I think sort of get yourself organized, get yourself a sort of a, a calendar and make sure you tick off every possible route for business development on a regular basis. And I, and I mean on a, on a daily or weekly basis. Um, yeah. that's, you know, that is the most effective um, means then to be successful. No, that's a great answer. I, I really love that. So what I want to know from you next, Nick, and I honestly really enjoy asking this question. So I want to cast you back to 2006. Uh, yeah. Entered the recruitment world, Nick Carmen. Yeah. Right. And I want to know what, what advice would you give Nick at that point, do you think, entering the recruitment industry? What would you say to him? I think what... You and I have probably spent a bit of time chatting about this, and I th- yeah. and I think the o- in generally the only regret I've I've got probably is being too shy about what I did. Mm. You know, I've, I've done this for 15, 15 years now, as I said, and I love what I do. Yeah, um, but back then I I uh, I probably I thought you know being a recruitment consultant wasn't as cool as some of my other mates, you know, my mates who'd mm-hmm. got sort of other graduate jobs or sort of internships. You know the stuff that I thought I needed to get when I left university. Um, so that's probably my only only regret in terms of I you know I didn't I didn't enjoy it or didn't shout enough about it because I, I realise now just how lucky I was. Yeah, no, I love that. Next question is a bit more of a less serious one. <laughs> so the, what I want to know, and I know that you've a lot of your career spent on the BD side, but I'll ask it anyway. So like when I say to you, what's been like the strangest or funniest candidate excuse that you've heard in your career? What, what comes to mind? If anything, uh, this isn't mine. I'm going to, I'm going to steal <laughs> a mate's yeah, this on. is the best one. Um, so a candidate, a candidate wakes up one morning, um, Due, due for you know, an old school interview when you had to when you had to leave your house and you had to get dressed, um, <laughs> uh, and said he didn't he didn't have any any clean pants, <laughs> so he could he just could not attend the meeting, couldn't possibly. So my mate, my mate transferred in the cash in order wow. to get to, to get to get himself sorted, and he said, "I'll make I'll make you a bet if you um, if you if you don't if you don't get the job right, you owe me the money. If you get the job, you can keep it." Um, and you know, the guy, whether it's a genuine excuse or not, I think he really appreciated you know, sort of the sort of the the buy-in from you know, from from my mates, and uh, and it worked. He got him the job, so it means he lost out his twenty quid, but he, he got he got himself the candidate to the to the interview and got the job. I love that class story. So next question is like just a bit more of a scenario, basically, and I just want to sort of just hear like how you would maybe approach or navigate this scenario because it's a, it's a common one that recruiters can find themselves in. So. Scenario is particular business that you've been trying to get in with for some time. They're a great brand. You're confident you can help them. They sort of buy on one of the methods that you use. So it could be you reach out about a webinar, a podcast, one of the things that you you mentioned. But the relevant person that you need to be speaking with comes back to you and you get a call booked in. That call is going really well. You're building rapport. Um, when it gets to sort of the, the crunch time of like, right, okay, what are next steps? That person says, look, at the moment, Nick, we do only work with agencies on the PSL, but I'm really pleased we've had this conversation um, and let's stay in touch. So just keen to hear like what sort of comes up for you when I explain that scenario. How would you approach that, do you think? Um, well, <laughs> I, again, I, maybe, maybe I'm sort of, um, I've, got a di- I've got a different view on that. 
Okay. Because I think sort of far too many people set themselves that one goal. Every telephone mm. call, I've got to pick up a job. Yeah. Right? And and as a consequence, then, you know, they ram it down people's throat. You've got to give me the job. You've got to give me the job. Mm. Um, and sometimes it means they'll take, you know, they'll take a job at sort of unattractive terms or conditions because that, you know, that's, that's all they've set themselves up for. Um, and I think I've, I've probably learned over the years is that actually sort of leaving someone with a really good impression about what you can do is far more valuable than picking yeah. than being the first to pick up some work. So I, I would probably, I'd probably get yourself there. You know, your target there is, is to make a really good impression, learn more about what that organization's doing, learn about what the pain that person's going through right, right now and provide a really good answer to it. And if they don't buy it, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. But they, yeah, they will buy something off you if you've ticked those, those three off sometime further down the line and, and it'll be on your, on your terms then as a consequence. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. And just a quick, I, I really like the point that you mentioned the leaving a good impression. And I was listening to a podcast this week. Have you ever read the book called um, Split the Difference? No. It's like an, it's a guy called Chris Voss. It's all about negotiation. He basically was a hostage negotiator for like loads of years, basically. And then he's sort of translated what he did with that into like the business and just day to day. But listen to the podcast. Anyway, why I bring it up was because he was saying how actually the first impression, of course, that's important, but you could have a mediocre first impression, but the most important thing is your last impression, your lasting impression. So how that people feels after you, yeah, you leave the call or whatever. And I think that's really interesting. You said, because I think sometimes we just focus on the first, but it's the lasting impression that could hopefully set you up to form a good relationship and potentially do business within the future. So it's Definitely. interesting that you highlighted that. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I think we've got, um, uh, in this job, like any other, you know, there's there's things you need today, isn't there? And there's things you're gonna need you need in sort of twelve months' time. And it's really easy yeah. to prioritize the stuff you need right now. Uh, and and often by taking that sort of view, you compromise what you need sort of twelve months down the line. And so, and I, like I said, it's easy for me, isn't it? Sort of fifteen year uh, years in, <laughs> you know, I'm sort of safe, safe and secure in that in that sort of sense. But I think sort of uh, that's that's probably what is one of the hardest lessons to learn. And the sooner you can learn it, the better you'll be. Yeah. So final question. So this is around like sort of time management, self-management. And the question I have for you is like, so for you, what is a sort of non-negotiable that you live by each day that you feel has a sort of continuous impact on your productivity and really helps you yeah, get the most out of your days working in recruitment? So just a bit of a self-management type management thing that you live by that you think really helps you. So now I'm I'm probably not the most disciplined person in terms of of diary management and likes and I, I believe me I've tried Enough. desperately really hard I'm really <laughs> envious of people, you know, people who sort of um, manage to manage their themselves and their diaries much much better than I am um, but the one the one thing I I do know is that I need to move forward you know at the end of the day I need to make sure I've made some progress. I need I need to have achieved something. Other, otherwise, you know, it goes down as a loss, not a win. Um, and that's I know that's really really important for my sort of motivation. Um, so I just sometimes that means something really small. You know, it's getting yeah, he's getting close to lunchtime. You know, you think right, well, yeah, packing up time. Yeah, I, I go I go I go take a break. But I just make that one extra telephone call. I make that one extra email. I just do that one la- one little task just before I, I go. Um, and you know what? 
<laughs> chances are that's the one you know that's the best call you've made yeah. just because it's the one you could have you could have not made do you know what i mean it's it that's the yeah. bonus isn't it and so yeah, yeah. Uh, that i uh, i def i definitely strongly believe that you know that's that often sort of helps me sort of feel more motivated felt i've achieved something and sort of and tick something else off so that sort of sense of always moving forward and sometimes just giving yourself a bit of a kick to say i've, I've just got to do it got to do yeah. it bite the bullet and get on with it i love that Nick, that was it. 50 minutes of a mentor. Thank you so much. Uh, you're more than welcome, mate. Hope, hope someone was listening. I hope they found it uh, useful. <laughs>